welcome back to Block Channel. Uh, we're here back for episode 18 this week, uh, and we're joined by two very awesome guests. Um, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. But I will introduce my two co-hosts for this week, uh, Co- Dr. Corey Petty and Demetric Ferguson. Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves to the audience as you have many, many times. All right. What's up, guys? Dr. Corey Petty here, as always. And D, host number two of the Bitcoin and Block Channel podcast. Thanks, fellas. And like, as I said, you know, we're joined with two really awesome guests. And so I'm going to give them the capability to introduce themselves. So, gentlemen, uh, whichever one you want wants to go first, Jared and Carl, feel free to take over uh, and let us know who you are. Sure. So my name is Carl Bennett and I'm the co-founder of Status. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I've been working on this project for really like the last year now. Um, but Jared and I, we've been working together for about five years now. So prior to this, I kind of spent a lot of time running this software distribution or user acquisition business. And prior to that, I was running this um, sort of various other smaller online businesses. Um, this was when I was much younger. And I kind of became very fascinated with Ethereum when I first read the white paper. And yeah, it's just gone from there. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Jared, the other co-founder. Um, been working with Carl for the yeah, past five, five years or so and working on the software distribution business. Um, we ended up generating like a, over 20 million sort of installs over that period of time um, and working on a bunch of other different projects uh, during that time as well. I uh, have a background in uh, sort of software development um, in various languages since I was like 13. Um, been kind of have evolved in the cryptocurrency space. Definitely had a really interest in, uh, in Bitcoin, especially around sort of Mastercoin counterparty was happening. And um, the Ethereum white paper came out and I've just been really into Ethereum ever since. Excellent. Thank you very much. And um, what about um, you all's like current project? How did you gentlemen end up like meeting together to sort of like get to where you are right now? So uh, I guess uh, we met through a mutual uh, colleague on a previous business uh, just before we started doing the software distribution. Uh, I was working on a bunch of uh, sort of installer software and Carl was running a couple of marketing campaigns um, around that. So we kind of combined forces. Um, We met up in, we actually met up in Queenstown in New Zealand and uh, which is a beautiful backdrop for a, for our sort of uh, budding relationship, and uh, we've just taken it from there. And as for status, I, I think we were kind of thinking, okay, how can we apply this existing skill set that we have um, in the context of Ethereum? And I think we had sort of seen um, the impact that WeChat and some of these messaging platforms had had in certain Asian markets, and that sort of the generality and the flexibility of a platform like that was was really inspiring for us. And we thought that we should begin working on this sort of decentralized mobile, in, mobile interface. And we should do this in a way that is very palatable um, just for the, the general public or the average smartphone user to begin kind of interacting with decentralized applications. Yeah, I think um, what I found quite interesting is that, uh, say, like back in, uh, I, I can kind of trace this back to like 1998, uh, where I kind of, um, living in the sort of countryside of Australia. Um, and I was, you know, a young teenager and I was kind of yearning for sort of socialization. Uh, but like a lot of my friends were like in the nearest town and to get to that nearest town, like it took me roughly an hour walking to get to a bus. 
And that bus would only come twice a day, like six in the morning, <laughs> six in the evening, right? That sounds so, like... Uh, <laughs> That sounds like one of those like old folks. I used to ride 15 miles in snow to get to school. <laughs> exactly. I went uphill both ways. Uh, and I did. It was on a valley, actually. Um, beautiful vineyards. But uh, what was really funny about that is like it kind of it kind of forced me to kind of uh, escape into the Internet. And uh, I found like this sort of 3D chat program called Active Worlds. And I spent a lot of my evenings there kind of uh, building these sort of shared realities Um and that really cemented this sort of idea that you could like um, have this sort of meeting of the minds and kind of work on different uh, uh, work on this sort of shared reality. But uh, what what was problematic with it was that uh, it was owned by the Active Worlds Corporation, and they could like come through and delete all your stuff, or they could change things. Um, and it was run on a server, so if that ever went down, then you're just basically your entire reality disappeared. Um, I think that was really interesting. That kind of put me on this sort of trend towards uh, of virtual reality. Um, and it wasn't until roughly 2012 where I got my first uh, 3D printer, an uh, Ultimaker, that I, I bought with some earnings I had made from Bitcoin. Um, and I started playing. Uh, and at this time, sort of our smartphones kind of got better at, uh, at uh, the, the displays were a lot more high resolution. They had a bit more computing power behind them. Uh, and I started a project called Second Sight, which was a sort of open SCAD uh, parametric uh, 3D printable head-mounted display and uh, a custom modified Android ROM um, that allowed you to view uh, everything in Android in a sort of stereoscopic 3D space. Uh, and I, I became really interested in this idea of mixed reality. Um, but of course, the question there is like, uh, oh, sorry, back in 2014, um, face, uh, Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg announced that they were going to buy Oculus and uh, that same year um, we had uh, Facebook, got, it basically got leaked that Facebook had been uh, non-consensually manipulating their uh, users uh, for, for different reasons, basically making them depressed over a month to see how, how they would change their, their status updates via manipulating their news feeds uh, and that really kind of drove home this sort of point of like, um, you know, if mixed reality devices became like a thing in the future, um, are, are these sort of companies going to to essentially own your what you see and what you hear and ultimately what you think and feel? And that became like a really sort of scary prospect for me. Um, but, you know, thankfully, the I, I thought this is a really interesting tool uh, in terms of understanding the abstraction of like public blockchains. Uh, because blockchains are kind of like a shared reality that we're all kind of agreeing upon. And uh, what's also really interesting about that is it opens up a whole range of different ways of socially organizing. Uh, and maybe we can kind of solve this problem uh, by having everyone have a stake in that. You know, you've, you've, you've built this, this thing that I think is going to help tremendously with, I'd say, the adoption problem that blockchain currently faces like is that one of the reasons you stuck to mobile or was it because you had this background and and personal devices and needed to port something to that like, mobile environment uh, I, th I think mobile I, I mean mobile is the form factor that we'll be using for now i think jared kind of alluded to our sort of grander vision there um but i i think if if the objective is to onboard as many people as possible 
Um, I think mobile is the most pragmatic approach. Um, I mean, in terms of active users, um, the kind of the the new desktop now, um, particularly in, in certain developing countries where even desktop penetration is actually quite low. So I, I think mobile just makes sense to focus on from the beginning in our case. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. I just like to say that I like that you thought that having that much power is scary and not awesome. When you were talking about how to when you were talking about augmenting people's realities and basically yeah, if you control yeah. what they see, I just want to say that I think it's good that you think it's scary and not wicked awesome that you can control people like that. So right, yeah, just, thanks. Uh, <laughs> it's not like those like it's not like anyone's necessarily evil per se, but like uh, I, I think the problem there is like a, a sort of a, a misalignment of incentives between companies and their users. Um, and so, like the uh, what's really interesting is like uh, you see in, in sort of Ethereum and sort of blockchain space is these sort of communities or or networks where everyone has fair access to sort of equal stake in them, and I think that's really fascinating. What I, what I think is important to point out here is that like previously, because of the technology infrastructure, you couldn't build a service like that without having that type of power and responsibility associated with it. Blockchain exactly. kind of enforces or puts the trust and responsibility back to the users, which allows you to create these platforms that doesn't require that type of responsibility. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so, similarly, like these sort of Web two business models, like the the standard one being this ad network, like these companies aren't trying to do bad things. They're trying to bring up their yield optimization on their ad platform, and in order to do that, you have to have like deep profiling. On your user base and this brings up all these privacy concerns and i think with with ethereum there's just better models have now presented themselves and these are the things that we should focus on mm -hmm. excellent so so let's de let's um dive into sort of like the core of what status is for a moment because uh, we've talked about it from like a high level on uh you know how you envision it um so let's let's talk about um kind of like a day in the day of status currently because i actually have access to um the developer beta so i've been i've been a part of it and i've been using it um you know like on, on a semi on a semi daily basis trying it out and playing it to, playing with it every time a new update comes out on test flight uh for ios so so what uh walk the audience through like someone using status and how it benefits them in their day-to-day Sure. Like, uh, so I mean, status uh, aims to be sort of a, this combination between like a messenger and a browser uh, for mm -hmm. the Web three or this sort of decentralized web. Um, it's a it's it's a mobile Ethereum node that targets Android and iOS, um, and it connects directly to the Ethereum network. Um, so, so for users, I mean, you can send encrypted messages, you can send payments to one another, you can send smart contracts. But in addition to this, you can also chat with dApps and you can also browse dApps. So I think like the dApp ecosystem is very much in its infancy, but you can still do some cool things on the testnet right now. So we have a bunch of integrations with maybe not integrations, but the ability to browse to many existing dApps. So you could go on Ethlance, for example. Um, you could be chatting with a friend. You could go on Ethlance and find a um, freelance work. And then in theory, over time, you could be paid directly into your status wallet um, in near real time. Um, you could do things like social betting with Gnosis. Um, really like any anything that you'd expect to be able to do and missed right now, 
and all the adapts that you'd hope to be able to interact with, um, you can do so from within inside this this mobile interface as well. That's yeah, I I think what's really interesting is um, if you look at like what a daily life in like uh, WeChat is like. Uh, say for example, you you may want to go to a restaurant, uh, but you can open up the restaurant's menu within WeChat itself, uh, and not only that, you can order through it. But you can also do this within a group chat. So if somebody's running late, uh, like say 10, 15 minutes late, and they also want to order their food so it's ready by the time they get there, uh, then you can all kind of organize and like share the location all within that same chat context. Um, but it doesn't really stop there. Like you could do your sort of um, your investments through it. Um, you could order order a taxi to get to that restaurant, and uh, a whole. You could even get your dog washed in WeChat. Hmm. And so I think um, if we can build a very similar sort of idea and and give access, uh, sort of free, permissionless, fair access uh, to everyone, oh, that's all the better. The way I kind of see it is um, like from a developer's perspective, I can build something on the on the in the Ethereum network and then leverage everything that's already been built while also having payments built in. And through a system like yours, the user gets to like experience all of that synergy through a single user interface. And that's like it, it's it's incredibly powerful and allows people to get the idea of what we're all building really, really quickly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and I think the way that some of these dApps are going to be able to interact with one another is going to be really fascinating. And hopefully Status can help to facilitate that. So, for example, like I could maybe order a decentralized um, ride sharing service with something like Swarm City, but then I could pay using gold or like a portion of my stock portfolio. Um, and then I could also perhaps offer to pay for my friend's ride and meet him at a restaurant. And this lends itself to not only greater convenience, but all of these transactions are occurring um, just on these these open protocols. And that's just so fascinating. So let's talk about all these protocols that you just mentioned. <laughs> so, of course, because uh, how status works, you know, you guys have a lot of different dApps sort of like built into uh, the, the the native experience uh, or, or as native as you guys would like it to be. Um, so so walk us through some other really cool um, either like protocol applications or like Ethereum related applications that like bake into status and what you guys are trying to do really well. Like because, you know, there's a lot of really cool synergy in the Ethereum space. So, so which which other projects do you think could really work well with you guys? I'm not sure if we're like trying to bake them into status per se, but rather sort of if a developer wants to write something once and then they can access it from Mist or through Status or any other browser, they can go and do that. Um, in terms of dApps that work really well in Status, I, I think prediction markers are going to be like at least in the near term like a really interesting one. So I think, or at least I hope that we might actually only need like a, a couple of dApps to um, interact in interesting ways to provide like a lot of value for users. And I, I think the case of like social betting is like uh, perhaps not, not the most exciting sort of prospect um, long term. Um, no, I'm, I want to try that bit again. Um, was the yeah, so I mean, like um, for DAP developers, like we give them access to Web three JS, and it, like it's a Go Ethereum node that's running directly on the device. Um, mm -hmm. 
the only thing we really do is intercept send transactions. So you can't do any state changes or send value without the user's permission. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be rolling out a sort of decentralized chatbot API uh, shortly. Um, so then other, other DAP developers, if they want to integrate more tightly with the chat context, they certainly can. Um, we we certainly love like a whole bunch of different uh, DAPs that are out there. You know, like you got the prediction markets uh, such as like Gnosis and Augur, which is super super interesting. Um, there's you know swamps the Swamp City guys like um, that would be really cool uh, in the future. I imagine, um, and we're like uh, yeah. So I think there's I don't know what else. <laughs> yeah, because that's what originally got me really excited about the project was you know the the idea of uh, you know an Ethereum related interface that would ultimately tie into every every application. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that, that that I really uh, that I really enjoy personally. Um, so so that's why I think that that quote unquote baked in experience is like really like one of the more um, profound uh, value adds of the service that you guys are all creating. Um, because if I can just hop into status, talk to a quick little bot, set up a wallet, and then immediately be able to do like you know work with like Swarm City and call like a ride, or like work with like a prediction market like Gnosis and quickly like set up a peer-to-peer -peer bet while I'm in midst of a conversation or in a group chat with a group of individuals, right? So like that baked in like whole experience, I think is like is going to be a huge part of status and will play a huge part. Um, and Ethereum's like overall adoption, if somebody can do that just right. Absolutely. And hopefully we, hopefully we can do our best to make that happen. Excellent. Um, so, uh, Patty and Ferg, do you gentlemen have any particular questions for both of them specifically, or maybe just uh, one or the other? Yeah, I got something. Um, did you anticipate the, I would say, public success that your, your, your application has, 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 kind of gathered since you started? I mean, you're really, I would consider you one of the largest projects in the space, or at least most anticipated projects in the space. Is that something that you kind of knew ahead of time before you started? And how are you dealing with it as, as, of, as of now? Oh, I mean, thanks. Uh, <laughs> that's really cool. Um, I don't think we really anticipated it. No, I mean, back, back like, I guess once the Geth implementation was kind of working, I just wanted to have Ethereum on, on my phone. Um, and so we actually <laughs> got a small dev grant from the foundation to port um, the Java implementation of Ethereum to, to Android. Um, and yeah, at, at that time, it was, it was a crazy idea because there was no light client protocol and we we're literally syncing the whole blockchain to our device, mm -hmm. uh, which makes, it, makes your phone very hot. Uh, very quickly, um, and then uh, there was uh, Kobe Gherkin who got it working on on a smartwatch, which was just really funny uh, to see. Um, hmm. But yeah, I, I guess I, I guess it was just really about trying to trying to make Ethereum run on another platform, and, and I just wanted to have it on my phone. I thought it would be really cool. Hmm. So it started out really humble, and now it's grown into this pretty big project in the space. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah I, I think uh, this sort of messaging as a platform idea became quite apparent that um, it really does have some potential. So I think it was really like about this time last year that Jared and I sort of thought, okay, this, this is more than a hobby project. We should treat this as a full-time business. And that's when we started 
um, building out the team and such. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the original idea, I mean, Status before it was called Status was called Sing, and it was just going to be a kind of like a web browser uh, on Android. Um, but we thought, like, well, if we're going to do this, like, and if we want to sort of maximize the sort of surface area that uh, we can make for Ethereum adoption, um, what would that look like? And so we started using, like, looking at how... Um, what the sort of most popular applications were on mobile devices in terms of monthly active users. And it became very clear that um, messages uh, messengers uh, as a platform was, was going to be the thing that had to happen. Um, and so we just adapted what we we're doing to, to make it look like what, what we're doing now. Awesome. Um, so, so what would you say is the current status of status mm -hmm. status where, of status <laughs> yeah so, like uh, <laughs> from a development standpoint like where are you guys at like like right now and then like what's the next what's the next big step for you guys like what's what's coming okay so uh, all right so there's, there's a lot of things that are going on um first we've taken like a hard stance on this sort of decentralization thing right so uh that causes a whole bunch of problems because in we're working with uh, essentially experimental protocols in of themselves, like the light client protocol is an alpha, uh, and we're an alpha as well. Um, and, and so is Whisper. Whisper is uh, our messaging, sort of uh, the messaging protocol in Ethereum. We're, um, that's also an alpha. So what we've been working on now is we've been doing like a, uh, we've got a whole bunch of feedback from our first alpha release at the beginning of the year, and we created a whole bunch of new designs uh, on the user interface to make it look really fresh and make it feel like really, really nice. Um, so we've been working on that and rolling that out. Uh, at the same time, we're upgrading to Whisper version five. Um, and what's really good about that is we can do things like offline inboxing. Um, so at the moment, like it, it is a peer-to-peer -peer client. Uh, and so to communicate with somebody else, you, you essentially both have to be on this uh, online at the same time to ensure that you get the messages on both ends. Um, so that was not gonna be a problem anymore. Um, but what that also enables is, you know, something that you we all take for granted, things like push notifications. Uh, push notifications is, all, is really critical for, for a messenger, and it's actually quite difficult to implement in a decentralized manner. Um, because if you do that naively, you end up creating a sort of centralized choke point. Uh, so we're adapting the uh, Whisper to be able to handle push notifications um, and you kind of do a handshake with different uh, nodes on the network, and you can you can choose which node is going to service you for that period of time uh, to handle your offline messages and send you push notifications. So there's basically we're trying to get this kind of standard user experience that users are trying to expect uh, expect, mm -hmm. but um, we have to solve some kind of some problems like that in in new new ways which has been quite challenging. So that's coming up soon. Um, and we're also pushing uh, this sort of chat API, uh, this sort of chat, decentralized chatbot API uh, that's coming soon. And uh, the other one that we're looking at right now is uh, Swarm support. Um, so so Swarm's, Swarm's quite interesting. Uh, we need to essentially create light Swarm nodes so they're not really hosting too much. Like you don't want to use uh, too much bandwidth up on the on the device, so we need to create sort of clients that are capable of connecting directly to the Swarm network uh, and pulling down files without necessarily contributing with data to the network. And then, kind of beyond that, 
like once we have this sort of base foundation down, um, and of course, many security audits, um, this will be more like Q4 or even into 2018. We also want to build out our own sort of default dApps inside the application. These are mainly geared towards just providing greater convenience or making it easier to actually have um, ETH or some kind of cryptocurrency or crypto asset inside of status. So one of these is like a, a fiat to crypto exchange. So basically you can find nearby status users and you can go and exchange your um, cash for, for cryptocurrency. Yeah, um, and while all of this is happening, we have a parallel project called CommitF, which is a sort of GitHub bounty bot. Uh, and the reason for this is because we're really trying to push this idea of community-driven development. Uh, so I mentioned this whole idea of the network owning the software, um, and really we want to we want to be able to sort of incentivize open source development by um, pay, uh, paying developers to submit pull requests that solve various issues within status. Uh, but we're also opening that up so anyone else who has uh, some GitHub project can do the same thing. Yeah, so we released the alpha for that a few weeks ago. So that's commit commit for anyone who's who's interested. Yeah, and that's, I mean that's on the test net at the moment. But uh, yeah, we're just testing around with it and making sure it, it all works well. And what's cool about that is we also find like a lot of a lot of developers um, kind of have full time jobs, but they they also want these these hobbyist projects they can play around with. And if we can provide a financial incentive for status to be this obvious project or any other open source project that's using CommitEth. Um, I think it's like a really nice system. So I got a question for you guys, a little, not so much about status, just general. Um, how, so basically, how do you guys, you know, what are you looking for as far as developers that to work with? Like, cause I know that I'm sure there's a lot of developers in the space looking to work on many things ethereum's exciting and and this is one of the most exciting projects in it so so what are you guys looking for in a developer to work with like somebody wants to work with you what uh, credentials think, do they need i think the i mean so the, the base client uh, so the the base status client is written in uh closure scripts uh and that was a very specific choice because like we believe that lists kind of force a very interesting way of looking at programming. Um, but I think what's more important is this sort of passion and shared understanding of, of, our, of our vision and wanting to sort of implement that. And we try and give as many, as much resources as we can through our wiki for anyone who wants to sort of jump in and, and help out. Yeah, so I mean, being open source, you can have a very different sort of HR process where, mm -hmm. you know, we can hire just based on on pull requests, and then we can do a sort of trial and see how well you work with our team and just take it from there, um, rather than these sort of formal interview processes. Uh, like for, for all of the, like, we, I'd say a good portion of our listenership is new people entering the space, trying to find out what steps they need to take to get started, where they can learn things, um, maybe... Um, advice on how to do things or where to go. Do you have any advice based on your experience in the space and building apps to anyone trying to start fresh? I think just digging around in the documentation and jumping on on various slacks. I, I think what's amazing in this community is just how how open everyone is and how willing people are to sort of chat and help it, help each other out. Um, 
just start on FDOX is probably the best place to begin and just go from there. Yeah, and it's, I mean, like the Gitter IM uh, forward slash Ethereum, like uh, there's a whole bunch of different channels for different interests, whether you're interested in Whispers uh, development or how Go Ethereum's doing. Um, uh, there's tons of resources out there. There's also the the Ethereum Stack Overflow, which is really really good source of um, information and where you can ask questions. And um, I mean, if it's state specific, I mean, you can go to status.im, you can jump in our Slack, uh, and we have a wiki as well, which is wiki.status.im. All right, that's great. That's uh, I think that's a great way to wrap it up. We uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate um, you telling us about how Status is working. Uh, current developments and where you're where you're headed into the near future. I hope that when things get further on, we can we can have you back on. Yeah, we'd love to. Yeah, Thank you very to. much for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks really, for having us. Really like what you guys are doing as well. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Let's uh, let's call it a day. Take it easy. This episode of Block Channel is sponsored by Gnosis. Gnosis is a decentralized prediction market built on the Ethereum public blockchain. Gnosis provides an open source platform for anyone to predict the outcome of any event and plans to drastically simplify the creation of customized prediction market applications. For example, an individual can create a market on a future event such as the outcome of a political election or a company's earnings forecast. People from across the world can bet or predict the likelihood of this event actually occurring. Over time, the market aggregates the predictions from users from across the world and Gnosis makes real-time market adjustments. This crowdsourced wisdom is groundbreaking as it provides forecasting accuracy and enables a host of new applications to be built on top of it. Gnosis imagines a future in which decisions are as informed as possible by markets which aggregate useful information in an optimal, open, and decentralized fashion. Check out the links in the show notes to learn more about their platform and upcoming token launches.